If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business, especially in today's economy. But over 31,000 businesses do know their numbers because they use NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, planning, budgeting, and inventory, so you can manage risk and improve margins. Everything you need, all in one place. See why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system. Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash offer. netsuite.com slash offer. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show here on the internet. This is yours, as always, for Movie Lovers Unite, Johnny Goria. For today's podcast, I'm going to be doing a Disney Plus review. Then I'm following it up with a non-spoiler review for The Mandalorian. Now, if anybody's actually wondering why I'm doing a non-spoiler review for Mandalorian instead of a spoiler review, because of the fact I want to respect my audience when it comes down to certain reviews. And I've never been the type of person to spoil a movie. If I do, it's on an accident because over pure excitement, it's never meant to be where I'm actually being a butthole or an asshole where I'm trying to spoil something on purpose for somebody. That's never my goal. My goal is to give good information to where you guys can actually view certain movies or TV shows for yourselves to determine if you like them or not. My job is not to tell you what you should or should not be watching. So, with further ado, let's go on ahead and get into this thing. So, as everybody knows that Disney Plus dropped yesterday, and yes, there was a lot of problems, which is not really an issue per se, because we already know that this was going to be huge. We already knew that these servers were going to go down at some point in time because of the fact of the overload. But, you know, I'm kind of surprised, though, that Disney doesn't have a huge server, if you think about it, because of the fact that they're a billion-dollar company. And so, therefore, I was thinking that maybe there might not be any issues with them because of the fact that they're a billion-dollar company. But still, people will jump on it. A lot of people around the world are actually jumping on this app and everything, downloading it, subscribing, and also, too, you have to factor in that. So, therefore, the fa- uh, servers are going to go down, and therefore, you're going to have connection issues. So, of course, I'm not surprised by the fact that there was a lot of connecting issues during that time. Another thing I want to get at is the fact that you know, you have this big old huge vault of movies that you can actually choose from, which I absolutely love. You can actually revisit all your old favorite Disney movies. Not only that, but I also forgot about Touchstone Pictures being owned by Disney, which I actually made that clear a couple of months back and everything when I was talking about Disney and everything, where they actually own Touchstone Pictures. But for some reason or another, I forgot all about it. But they actually own Touchstone Pictures, so I went through the Touchstone Pictures stuff and if you're looking for stuff that's not really kid-friendly kind of PG-13 level for adults, they actually have that. I watched Dan in Real Life for God knows how many times that I watched it when it was on DirecTV. Now I got to revisit it again because this movie came out in 2007 and starred Steve Carell. So if you haven't seen that movie, and it also had Dane Cook, but I actually recommend this movie because of the fact that you have a father who is trying to get over his wife's death and also, too, he's also trying to find a suitable wife or girlfriend for his kids. And then, of course, they wind up going camping or they wind up staying at their parents' vacation house. And all the family is together. And he winds up telling Dane Cook, trying to tell Dane Cook he met somebody at this bookstore. And then Dane Cook actually met someone, too. 
And so happens to be, it's the same girl that Steve Carell fell in love with. So you have this big old huge clash going on where nobody knows what's going on with Steve Carell. They think that he's losing his mind, he's depressed or whatever. But, in, but he's not. He's actually in love with his brother's girlfriend, which was supposed to be his girlfriend, but he never actually fully on jumped on it at that time. So if you haven't seen that movie, I recommend checking out that movie if you're trying to get away from kid movies or animated movies for a little bit. I strongly recommend that. Another thing I want to actually talk about, too, is I was, I was actually watching some of the Disney original movies last night, and one of them was back in 1999 with Don't Look Under the Bed, which is about the boogeyman, which to me, was one of those things when I was a kid or early teens where I was fascinated with different mythologies and stuff like that. And it also came out during Halloween, season of Halloween. So it was like a little spooky tale that you can actually feel comfortable leaving your kids in the bedroom by themselves to where you can watch this movie. And it, I got to revisit my my early teens by watching that movie. But something happened when I, while I was watching that show and what happened was was this it was glitching it was lagging it was glitching which I didn't mind because that was normal but what was abnormal was the fact that while I was watching the my stuff it changed like the Disney must have got tired of me watching don't look under the bed and all of a sudden it turned it into bed knobs and broomsticks so I'm like you know what I'm not even mad I'm happy with Ben Knobs and Broomsticks. That's a, my favorite classic Disney movie with Angela, Angela Lansbury in it. And if you haven't seen it, if your kids haven't seen it, I strongly recommend you guys being introduced to that movie because it has some fantasy elements. It has some war elements. It has a little bit of everything, a lot, a lot of comedy in there together. And it's just one of those classic movies that can actually pull you in and introduce your kids to something that's actually kind of old. But still, even, the, even though the effects are, don't stand out, didn't age well, you can still get a good laugh or two out of this movie. And then, of course, you also have the X-Men on there. You have a lot of, there's a lot to digest with this app. You're not going to be able to process all the stuff that they have on it. You're not going to be able to go through everything that they have all at one time to see what they have. But I do have to give it to them. They actually knocked it out of the park with launching an app for seven bucks. And they give you a lot for your money. You're getting the Mandalorian Star Wars shows. You're getting your MCU stuff. You've got your Marvel shows. you got everything that you want from a Disney app itself. So, 7 bucks is well worth it for what you want. And not only that, but it's also a good babysitter if you think about it. If you want your kids to watch something that's safe and everything, put on the Disney app and everything. They'll have a good time watching it. Another thing, too, is you've got your Hannah Montana shows. You have your Even Steven shows. You have all the original stuff that we grew up on on this one thing. Even Boy Meets World is on there. I, I'm actually surprised about how much stuff, how much content they actually have on this one app. But Disney did it great. I really enjoyed this app for what it is. I still haven't got done exploring everything like I wanted to. But I might actually do a live action uh, Lady and the Tramp review just to check it out for a remake. Just to say that I've watched something that was actually from the app itself rather than something that I've already seen before. Even though i already seen Lady and the Tramp, the animated movie. But I want to see what they did differently or if they didn't do anything differently with Lady and the Tramp. So that's probably going to be my first review that I'm going to probably going to be doing for that for the Disney app itself. So let's go ahead and get into this Mandalorian thing because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm a huge sweaty 
Star Wars fan. I'm a huge sweaty comic book fan. If you don't know what the term sweaty is, it just means that I'm a comic book geek. I'm also a, a Star Wars geek. I'm a big sweaty nerd. That's that's the way I describe it. That's the way that John Schnepp, rest in peace, what he describes as a sweaty. So therefore, I'm actually playing homage to John Schnepp. Because John Schnepp is actually the, one of the reasons why I love what I'm doing right now, which is the podcasting and stuff like that. So, anyways, that's enough of me rambling about that. But this is what the main plot is about for The Mandalorian, just in case anybody doesn't know. But it's basically after the stories of Jango and Bubba Fett, and another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe, The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. The series depicts a lone gunfighter uh, in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from authority of the New Republic. Now, what I love about this whole entire thing was the introduction actually felt like a Star Wars movie rather than a TV show. We didn't have any scrolls or anything like that for us to actually look at and see where everything took place or anything like that. But I actually appreciated the fact that I didn't have to read something to understand what the main plot was, since we actually know what the main plot was from the get-go, and this is actually dealing with a bounty hunter type of TV show, which is something that I was actually excited about. We actually get a bounty hunter TV series from the Star Wars universe that's dealing within the universe of the Jango, Fett, and also, too, Boba Fett. That was something that I was really excited about for the very first time that I heard about it, and I have to say, it gives you that whole entire homage to Star Wars. It does feel like a Star Wars TV show. It do- Even the special effects itself doesn't even look like it's too much CGI. It actually feels like a- it actually feels like something from back in the seventies. Even though this is supposed to be a story within after the Empire and everything else, but the effects itself didn't even look like it was too much CGI at all. It actually felt like an OG Star Wars show. Not only that, but the introduction, whenever you first see him going into the bar and then you wind up seeing a little uh, a little bit of a gunfight going on and then he has to try and take this one person into custody and the guy's trying to talk himself out of it. Well, I got credits and he's not, he doesn't care. This Mandalorian does not care about your little credits. He does not care. His job is to take your butt from the bounty and go on ahead and get paid from these other people that are, that paid him to take you in and then another thing too is you know he can't be bargained with which is another thing i liked and it's either you can do this the easy way or you can do this the hard way i love that aspect to that character then you have him trying to talk him out of even doing anything then he tries to be then get this the guy that he takes in uh guardo guardo's dad i believe um Anyways, he tries to tell him, "Hey, look, why don't we? We don't need to go on ahead and go into this ship. We can if you give if I give you some credits, we can go on ahead and go into this other nice one, and everything." And he's trying everything, trying to be nice to this to the Mandalorian and everything. The Mandalorian is not having it. He winds up collecting the bounty, and then that's when our main plot winds up happening, where he has to go on this mission. There's no way for him to actually track this person. He doesn't know what this person actually looks like. We don't know what he's walking into, just like how he doesn't know what he's walking into. He All he has is a tracking device to track this one person and his last destination and everything else. And then he meets this droid. And I have to admit, the droid 
is hilarious. He does kind of, like Waka Taititi says, he's kind of like the Terminator of the Star Wars thing because all he wants to do is self-terminate whenever he sees damage, whenever he sees danger. And I love that whole entire humor aspect. And it's very Star Warsy type of feel to it, which is what I love because I want to actually feel like I'm invested into the Star Wars universe all over again. And for them, to, for John Favreau to capture that magic again was just very spot on, fantastic. I really enjoyed Mandalorian for what they did with that. And then, of course, too, once you find out who this person is or what this thing, this being is, you want, you're gonna wind up flipping out over this because this whole entire thing is dealing with a gunfight too to get to this person or this being, and. He winds up going into this 10 or 15 minute long gunfight with the android. The android is like the Terminator, like I said before. He's doing his thing. He sees about, uh, he, there's also an army of, of, other, of other people trying to protect this being as well. And they're trying to shoot him down. And he's trying to self-destruct himself, which, and, which is not working out because the Mandalorian is not going to let him do that. Because of the fact that he can actually, he was, to me, I think that this is how I view the Mandalorian. It was using him as a way to actually get what he wants. And he does not like droids. So, especially a droid that's also trying to collect the same bounty as him. So, therefore, he's using him to get what he wants. But by the time the gunfight is over with, by the time this all takes place, I have to, I have to tell you this. I really enjoyed fanboying over what they found. And I'm not going to, like I said, this is going to be a spoiler-free review and everything, but from what from what they found and everything, I was fanboying like nothing. Because I could not believe that they found that another species of that character. So, that's where I'm leaving that part at. <laughs> because, of, because I don't want to spoil anything. But, I'm all for uh, seeing a second episode of The Mandalorian, which is supposed to drop every Monday, I believe. And it kind of sucks in a way that we are not going to be able to get to binge watch every episode like we have with Netflix and everything. But it gives us something to look forward to and speculate with each other and use our imaginations as to what we think might actually happen with The Mandalorian. Which is something I like. I, I miss having interactions where I think that what might happen to a certain character and without having to binge watch the whole thing and, and know why this character's going down this route or what might not happen to this character. So I love that aspect of the fact that we get to use our imaginations and speculate on how we think that this show is going to end. And that's something that we haven't had in a while where we can actually speculate on something. I know that Hulu has where Castle Rock drops every, every Monday at 11 o'clock central time, which would be 12 o'clock, um, which would be 12 o'clock up in Eastern Eastern time, that's it. But, um, though we haven't really gotten a lot of shows to where we can actually just binge watch one episode, or just watch one episode, and that's it. And then speculate on what's going to happen on the next episode, even though we don't know what's going to happen. And I love that factor, though. I love that factor that we only have one episode a week, opposed to just going on ahead and binge watching a whole show within a week or within a month. But that's just me. That's how I like to view stuff sometimes. It's not just do everything all at one time. Another thing I want to mention is this. If you love, if you don't have kids, if you're thinking that this is nothing but kid stuff or whatever, check out The Mandalorian. 
Get that a shot. If you're not a Star Wars fan, maybe this might be a chance for you to actually jump into something that might not have that interest to you, but it might spark some interest now that I'm talking about it, so check it out. I strongly recommend it, and like I said, I'm all... Here's the thing. Not every movie or TV show is going to be for everybody, and I respect that. I don't, I'm not one of those people that like, how dare you not like Star Wars? If you don't like Star Wars, you don't like Star Wars. It's not your piece of cake. It's not your cake. Go on ahead and eat something else. You don't have to digest and eat the same thing that we're eating. So, with that being said, I want to get into a little bit of movie news. So, as everybody knows, Mark Wahlberg is supposed to be starring aside with Tom Holland in the Uncharted movie. I think this is perfect casting because of the fact that we actually get to see Mark Wahlberg on the screen as an explorer, as someone that's actually an adventurer and stuff like that. And also, too, it's never too late to actually add a certain actor, a good actor to your role, to your roster when you're doing a certain movie. And I'm all for the fact that they're going to put Mark Wahlberg in this movie, playing the adult version of of that character from Uncharted. And also, too, Tom Holland is going to be in it as playing the younger version. And I'm... It reminds me of the Indiana Jones um, movie and, and stuff like that, too, because during one of the Indiana Jones films, it flashes back from young Indiana Jones back over to older uh, Indiana Jones. And I love that aspect. It's like a prequel within itself, and then it becomes its own entity later on. And I love that factor that they're doing with Uncharted. And... Uh, I've always liked the franchise and everything as a whole as a gamer because I love exploring new things. It's actually pretty much the male version of what Tomb Raider is, but I still am a huge fan of Tomb Raider and I've loved hearing different things that they were going to do with this project and then later on it kind of diminished and now it's back on the table again. And of course, you have Nathan, of course, Holland's going to be playing Nathan Drake in this movie and this is like everything that a person that's actually a fan of the franchise of the video games itself if you don't if you don't like Tom Holland as Spider-Man I can respect that to a certain aspect because he is a good actor but if he's just not selling you as Spider-Man he might surprise you with playing Nathan Drake which I like Tom Holland as an actor I liked him as Spider-Man so I don't have any issues with him joining that Another thing I want to talk about is they're doing another Insidious movie, and they said probably coming next year, and it says Lin Shay. And here's the thing. I love the very first Insidious movie. I still hold that up as one of the best horror movies that I've seen in a while. But I'm just going to call it what it is. I'm just tired of seeing Insidious movies. I'm fatigued of Insidious movies. And I can respect what Bloomhouse has done over the years with their original work, and including Insidious, and also the Halloween movie that they just did with the reboot or remake, if you will. And then, of course, their other original movies are good uh, to a certain degree. But I can always respect for the originality that Bloomhouse has for certain movies. I just wish that they would stop wasting their time with another Insidious movies movie, as well as also, too, Paranormal Activity. I never liked Paranormal Activity. Then again, I don't like found footage movies. For the simple fact, if I, ha- if I can move around with a video camera in my hand and do a shaky cam, and then also add sound effects and stuff like that later on, and also, too, the acting and stuff like that, I don't need to be seeing that movie. I'm not a found footage type of person. I really don't like it. 
I can actually respect them for trying to do something new. But as for me going out and spending my hard-earned money to go see another paranormal activity movie or an insidious movie, that's just not for me. I'm I'm glad it's for you, but it's just not my cup of tea. I'm not knocking anybody that loves the franchise or loves found footage movies. It's just that for me, it's just not it's not one of those things that is meant for me to enjoy. So you're not going to see me do a review on anything that's actually found footage or anything like that because of the, the whole entire thing. I don't like found footage stuff. But now there's going to be a there's going to be three more. Olympus Has Fallen movies or spin-off movies because we already got Olympus Has Fallen and then we also have London Has Fallen and now we're having another movie and also TV show for the sequel for London Has Fallen and then the movie of course but to be honest with you if you're looking for a good action film that is slapstick kind of like your Die Hard kind of thing and you're into like the cheesy action kind of stuff like the, that we used to have back in the 90s or 80s. I, I recommend you guys checking out Olympus Has Fallen. And I'm going to be honest too. This franchise is not for me at all. I'm going to be, and I already told one of my fans that. I'm not a huge fan of Olympus Has Fallen. I'm not a fan of London Has Fallen. Those movies are just not for me. And like I said, I'm not knocking anybody that likes them. But the fact is, you know, we already had two movies dealing with the same thing where he has to protect the president. And now we're dealing with another thing. I'm hoping that they do something different with the third film. If they do something different, I might be on board because I'm tired of seeing him having to protect Morgan Freeman over and over and over again. And I want to see something different. I want to see something new and fresh from the Olympus franchise. That's what I'm going to call it, the Olympus franchise. And so far, all we got was the same repetitiveness where we actually have, where he has to protect somebody, protect the president again. But that's just me. That's how I'm viewing it. And I just don't really care about that franchise as a whole. But, hey, there are people that loves it. I'm not one of those people. But, hey, I can still respect you. And now I'm going to talk about R.L. Stein. And R.L. Stein is actually doing... Something with HBO Max. And it's an anthology series. And, you know, I love the fact that this is going to be an anthology series. And I also read a shit ton of Fair Street stuff. Back when I was in my younger, like when I was little, like 5th or 6th grade. And I was reading a bunch of Fair Street novels and stuff like that. I love the Fair Street novels. I like Silent Night 1 through 3. I like different types of novels that he's done with the Fair Street stuff itself. But, you know, there was also another thing he's talking about doing. And, you know, I really like the fact that he's going to be doing something different with HBO Max. And, you know, I think that this is a smart move. And I cannot wait to see what he has in store for us. And I think that this is actually going to be a good thing. And the series is actually going to be called Point Horror. And I can't wait to see the spin that he's actually going to have for this anthology film. Because I'm all for them doing something different rather than doing the same old schnit over and over again. Because you want to be able to see something different. You don't want to have the same old thing over and over again. Matter of fact, I wish Stranger Things was an anthology series itself. Because I feel like you can have 
your group of kids that are going off in Hawkins doing that one part, while you're also having another thing going on at the same time with this other group of kids to where you can never have things new and fresh for whenever you get done with the first batch of kids, you can bring those other kids in. And I think that if they go on ahead and do this route that way with Fair Street, with, well, not Fair Street, but for this R.L. Stein series, it could be really good because it can focus on one set of characters for this particular story and focus on another set of characters later on to do something totally different, which is why I like the show Slasher in the first two seasons because it's not just focusing on on one character or anything like that or you have to understand a certain season to understand something. You can actually go in and watch something from another season and still enjoy it without having to say, okay, how does this connect to this season? I like anthology series like that. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of R.L. Stein's. I love R.L. Stein. I liked him when he was doing his Goosebumps series back in the 90s with the TV show. I like his work. I've always been a fan of his work, just like Stephen King. And, you know, if you haven't read any of the Fair Street novels, I strongly recommend the senior, uh, the seniors editions where you actually get to see their senior photos in like a yearbook kind of style. And you get to pick and choose what character you think is actually going to make it through their whole entire senior year of high school. So if you haven't checked out those books, I recommend those. I also like the old school um, Fair Street novels itself. Check out Silent, uh, Silent Night 1 through 3. Check out some of those little small horror preteen books. I'd recommend them for a good easy read. And stuff like that. Because here's the thing. I was in fourth grade and I was reading fifth grade level. And I actually picked up on Fair Street novels. So if you haven't checked out Fair Street, I recommend that. I recommend Goosebumps. And if you if you have kids, let them read Goosebumps. Because I strongly recommend them for something spooky, something safe. If you're not comfortable with them reading something like a Stephen King or anything like that. At least you know where you stand with R.L. Stein. And now I'm going to move on to another bit of news where we have Netflix's Death Note 2, and they're saying it's still alive. My initial thoughts is this. I wish that they would have made that into a TV show rather than a movie because you can do a lot with a TV series than you can with a movie because there's a lot of meat that you can actually put into a TV show to where you can actually digest these characters, get these characters fleshed out, even though it's an Americanized uh, TV show, you can still make this a good Americanized TV show with the characters that we love from the anime version of Dead Note and instead of giving us what we got for Dead Note Part 1. And here's the thing. I did not care for Dead Note Part 1, the live action movie, at all. And I can respect some aspects of the movie itself, but as a whole, it didn't really do much for me. I really didn't care for it. I didn't like how they did the ending of how the main character ends, I'd much rather it end the way the anime did because it's such a tragic ending to that character. And also, too, I really love the chemistry between the character interactions with all the characters. And even with L, and we didn't get no... There was not really any hardcore chemistry with some of the characters. It was pretty much cut and dry, and what you see is what you got. So if you haven't seen... Dead Note Part 1, check it out. If you haven't seen Dead Note, the anime series, check it out. It's actually on Hulu. It's on Netflix, so check it out whenever you can. But on that note, I'm going to end the show right now. 
and just tell you how much I actually do appreciate the fact that you guys actually come in and you do listen to my show all the time and how much I actually appreciate you guys actually sharing my my podcast I'm glad that you guys are actually that you guys are enjoying the content that I actually put out I'm sorry that I wasn't here during the time uh during last night or yesterday whenever the stuff actually dropped for Disney plus and I know I was away for a couple of days but I apologize for that I got some stuff that's actually going on but I also want to put this out there too I know I was supposed to end the show but I want to do this one last thing so I've been thinking about movies, movies in general, and the thing that I've been wanting to ask everybody, even on the page, is what's one of those movies that you can, that you have to let someone watch at least one time and have a good impact on you? And for me, that movie is The Godfather. If you look at the cinematography, if you look at the a whole entire character arc of Michael Corleone, Corleone and then also him trying to survive in Italy because there's actually a hit on him in New York and he has to hide out in Italy. Nobody knows where he's at and you don't know if Michael's actually going to survive this, especially everything that happened in New York. And not only that, but he was also a, a war veteran that didn't even want to get involved in the family business of the mob. He was kind of pushed into the fact that he had to do what he had to do for his family and he was the one who had to do it. Even though Sonny was trying to talk him out of it, Michael had it in his head that, hey, I need to step up. I'm going to go on ahead. I'm going to take the reins and help my family whenever they need me the most. And he did what he had to do. And the consequences was he had to survive out in Italy. He had his other life and everything away from Kate. Kate was his other girlfriend in the United States. He winds up getting married to the girl in Italy. And some stuff winds up happening even in Italy. And he couldn't, it's like he can't even escape. And I'm just going to tell you, the cinematography for that movie is just fantastic. The acting in it is really good. Al Pacino is on top of his game during that time. Even today, he's on top of his game. But younger Al Pacino, you can't go wrong. Even on Godfather 2. Because I actually read the Godfather book. And there's no part 3. There's only one Godfather. And that's Godfather the book. And it's actually connected in with Godfather 2. And so, therefore, I can understand why they would make a Godfather 2 movie. And it's actually a prequel story where it actually flashes back from Dark Corleone and the way Michael's handling business. And also, too, it also makes me question of the fact is, is my, with Michael, he's actually questioning his own in- intuitions where he's wondering if he's doing the right thing according to how his dad did things back in the day of do- being in the mob. And the way his dad came up in the mob. And I love that aspect. And then, of course, too, you're also got Robert De Niro in it. And get this, a little fun fact for you, a little trivia, if you will. They never even met on the set. They actually had to do their scenes separate from each other. So they never actually got the fully meet on the set of The Godfather 2. So I thought that was a pretty neat little thing I wanted to throw in there. But anyways, I'm going to end the show right now. And I hope that you guys enjoy what I had to say. And, of course, until next time. Bye-bye.